Welcome to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where I share inspiring stories of ordinary people who walk out God's Word and discover radical results along the way. Hi friends, welcome to episode 29, and our guest today is Sarah McKenzie. Now, I have to say that Sarah is the host of one of my absolutely favorite podcasts, and that is the Read Out Loud Revival. In fact, I should create a budget just for that podcast, because every time I listen to it, I find more books to read, more books to buy, and yeah, I end up clicking to Amazon probably like three or four times as I'm listening to Sarah. Sarah's podcast has millions of downloads now, and I love the story that you're going to hear about how she just took what she loved, which is reading out loud to kids, and decided that she just wanted to start interviewing a few guests, talking about reading out loud, and what God did with that. I just love how God just gives us these little nudges and ends up being more than we ever expect or imagine. Now, I love reading out loud with my family. You'll hear me talking a little bit about this through the podcast, but years ago when John and I thought about our family and thought what we wanted to impart in our kids, reading out loud became one of those things. We talked about it. We really wanted to have dinner around the table. We wanted to have family service. And one of those things was reading out loud. So for years and years, um, our, with our three older kids, my husband, every night after dinner, or sometimes before bedtime, we would all go to the living room. The television would be off. We would have no electronic devices in our hands and he would start reading books. He would, we read the Chronicles of Narnia. We read some of the, like the series from Frank Preddy, like the Cooper Kids series. We read The Hobbit um, and he would just read out loud just a chapter, chapter every night and the kids at the end of the chapter would beg just one more, just one more. I would say more times than not, we just ended up that chapter. But that is something that we definitely look up look back on and think of what a wonderful time we had as a family. Now those older kids are 29, uh, 26, and 24. But the fun thing is that those became very meaningful times in our family. In fact, just a couple months ago, our daughter Leslie was here from the Czech Republic where she lives. And one night after the table, somehow we got on the conversation of some of the books we had read when they were younger. And we sat there for over an hour talking about the books, talking about the stories, talking about what was our favorite parts of the books. And I thought, this is so amazing that even years later, our kids can look back at this time and it truly was a bonding moment. And then as we started adding more kids to our family, reading out loud became part of our family culture. Every night before bed, I read out loud to our little kids. It often helps them drop off to sleep as I'm sitting there reading some of my favorite books were were usually published in the 1940s, like Little House on the Prairie. Um, I'm reading one by this 
the Melendi um, siblings. The first one is called The Saturdays. And so I just love reading these books. And also, as a homeschooling mom, I read aloud a lot, um, usually two to three hours a day. I sit there and we read a lot of our books together as a family, six from the ages of um, seven years old all the way up to 15 now. And we just share these stories together. So we just love reading so much. And I just also know that it also can impart so much in our kids, so much of truth and knowledge and empathy as we dig into the pages of the book. Well, Sarah and I will be talking about all these things and so much more. So I just know that you will love this interview with Sarah McKenzie. Well, I am super excited about today's guest, and I have like five podcasts that I always listen to, and I have to say that the Read Aloud Revival is one of them, and um, I'm super excited to have the host of Read Aloud Revival, Sarah McKenzie here. So welcome, Sarah. Trisha, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be on your show because you were such a wonderful guest when you came to the Read Aloud Revival. Oh, I love being that. And it's so funny because I've been at homeschool conferences, and they're like, wait, you were on Read Aloud Revival. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm famous now because I was on Read Aloud Revival. So 50 plus books or whatever. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that's totally how some people recognize me. I'm like, okay, I'll take it. I love that podcast. Oh, well, I am so excited to be talking to you. So can you just, uh, for those who may not know you, can you just share a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, I'd love to. My husband, Andrew, and I, we live in the Northwest, Pacific Northwest in Washington State. We've got six kids from um, high school. Our oldest is 16. Our youngest are four and a half year old twin, identical twin boys. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Yes, and they're every bit as much trouble as you imagine that they could be. <laughs> I mean, they're, at the age now where they're realizing the power of being able to trick people into not realizing who they are, you know, like oh being able my. to recognize them. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, and we homeschool all of them, and um, I host the Read a Lot Revival podcast, like you mentioned, and run the online community that's dedicated to helping parents connect with their kids through books. So that's sort of the thing that I love most of all is reading books with my kids, reading kids' books for fun, yes. <laughs> and then helping parents figure out how they can connect, make those meaningful connections with their kids through the books that they share. Yeah, well, I got your book probably a month and a half ago, and opened the box, squealed out loud because I was so excited to see it. And read, reading aloud is one of our absolute favorite things. Um, we use sunlight, so we just read, read, read. I mean, I love reading to my kids at bedtime and all the time and in the car. We listen to audiobooks. So it's just right up my alley. Um, so I'm just going to jump in kind of when I talk about Walk It Out. I just love to hear how people kind of got started on the steps they were taking and how God led them. And I love when I was reading the book, how you talked about this just idea, you know, popped in your head, like, well, it's, I'm sure it was simmering for a while, but I think I'll start a podcast. And I love how you booked your first guest even before you had the podcast running. So just share a little bit about that. Yeah, it was so funny because, you know, I had been reading a lot with my kids um, a little bit since the oldest ones were really young. I had stumbled across Jim Treleese's The Read Aloud Handbook. And so I knew that reading aloud, that was kind of my introduction to realizing that we don't just read aloud to our kids so that they can read on their own, which is always how I had thought about reading right. aloud before. You know, you read aloud to your little kids, and then once they can read on their own, they read on their own. And The Read Aloud Handbook was the first book that really challenged that idea, that it was valuable for its own reasons without, uh, you know, even after your child can read on their own. 
So I've been reading to my kids some, but then I had listened to this homeschool speaker named Andrew Pudua, who's kind of famous in the homeschooling world. My favorite, one of my favorite, yeah. Yeah, he's such a great speaker. He's so encouraging, um, and he runs the Institute for Excellence in Writing. And he was giving this talk about how the best things we can do to help our kids become good writers and good speakers, good communicators, is to read aloud a lot to them. So I just got all fired up and started reading aloud a ton with my kids uh, and then saw all the benefits that Andrew mentioned in his talk, but also a whole bunch of other benefits on the relational um, front, like the sibling relationships and our family bonding and me feeling more connected with my kids than I had felt before. And so I got really kind of fired up about it. And when I thought, oh, I think I might like to talk for a few podcast episodes about how reading aloud has shaped our family. I really thought of it as maybe a couple of episodes. Um, I listened to podcasts. I really loved them. I thought it would be fun to do one myself. But I remember when I told my husband, I want to start a podcast and talk about reading aloud. He was like, what are you going to say? You know, like, how can you talk about reading aloud? Just do it. Like, what else are you going to say? And I didn't really know, but I knew that if I was going to do a couple episodes, I wanted to talk to Andrew Pudua because he had been so inspirational to me and reading aloud with my own kids. So I just fired off this email to his the marketing director at the Institute for Excellence in Writing and said, would Andrew Pudwell like to come talk to me on my podcast about reading aloud? And I didn't really think she would say yes, but she did. Within a couple of hours, she sent me back this email saying he would love to. And I thought, oh boy, I guess I better figure out how to start a podcast. <laughs> Sometimes we need a little bit of outward um, pressure to make us do the thing that seems scary or impossible, right? And that's what that did for me. So then I figured out how to start a podcast. Uh, this was in 2014. And I thought it would just be a few episodes, but it's sort of taken on a life of its own. And I think the reason it has is because just like I felt, when people, other families who are busy and overwhelmed and but have this deep heart's longing to connect with their children in this real distracted, chaotic world we live in. Uh, when we find out that reading, sharing stories is such a powerful way to make that connection, a simple, free, powerful way to make that connection, we get kind of fanatical about it because it's so amazing. Yeah, and we just love it so much. And I think what I love about your book is you talk about, you know, just the benefits you talked about, um, you know, just the togetherness. And then you go into heroic, you know, we, we teach our kids about heroes and I mean, all these wonderful things that come with reading. But I, what I love the most is just that you took a step of faith. And I think so many times people will, you know, hear me talk about writing or homeschooling or adopting and they're like, wow, how did you decide to do it? And I think a lot of people get those desires in their heart to do something but then it takes that big step and I just love how that spur of the moment you just sat down and once you had the guess you're like okay I need to figure out how to do this what would you say maybe someone doesn't want to start a podcast but has something in their heart that they just feel like almost a little nudge from God that this is something I want to do what would you say to them just to encourage them to take that step of faith I think sometimes what holds us back is that we feel like we need to be ready for it we feel like we need to get prepared and we don't feel equipped or ready to take a big step, but I feel like all the biggest, best decisions in my life, whether that be getting married or having children or being open to having more children or even more children yeah. <laughs> or um, or writing a book or starting a podcast or whatever it is that God is calling 
or putting that nudge on your heart for you never really feel ready, but we never get what we, I mean, grace, the beautiful thing about grace is we get it exactly when we need it and not a moment before. Right. So I remember when I was pregnant with the twins, they were, they are fifth and sixth and I, our old, our youngest daughter, I mean, she was nine months old when we found out we were pregnant with the twins. And wow. I thought to myself, I know exactly, right? I mean, I'll tell you, Shisha, I went to the doctor. <laughs> I, went, I found out I was pregnant, and my husband said I, I started giggling, and then I burst into tears. Right? And he's like, uh, I don't know what do you want me to do with that. And so then I go into the doctor, and he was just coming back from delivering a baby, so we ran into each other on the elevator going up to his office. And he's like, oh, Sarah, good to see you. I haven't seen you in a few months. And then he gets this lick on his face and goes, are you here to see me? Oh, my <laughs> like, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so then he does the ultrasound, and when he says, Sarah, there's two, I was like, two arms? <laughs> what? Two humans? And I kept thinking, no, that's not possible. I have a baby at home that can't even walk yet. Like, yeah. how could I be pregnant with two? But one of the things that has been um, – just really instructive to me since having the twins is that it, it, it was kind of impossible. And people go, how did you do that? You have three babies, 17 months and younger. I don't know. But every time, every moment I got exactly what God always gives us exactly what we need right when we need it. So even when we feel like that thing out there, whatever that is for us, that feels impossible. And that's because maybe at this moment we don't need everything. You know, we always sort of I guess C.S. Lewis has this amazing quote, and I don't have it in front of me right now, but he talks about how we don't have grace for what lives in our imagination. And in our imagination, we're thinking about all the things that could go wrong or all the hard things or all the ways we're unprepared for that next step, whether that's starting a podcast, writing a book, taking a job, being open to another baby, whatever it might be in your life. Um, but that's all sort of in your imagination, what's happening right now, we always get the grace we need for that exactly in that moment. That will preach right there. <laughs> Let me just tell you, I just love that. So much good is so true. You know, people say, how do you write? And it's like 70 books. And I'm like, you write one paragraph at a time. And Anne Lamont in her book, Bird by Bird, talks about that. It's just bird by bird. It's one sentence by one sentence, one paragraph one by one paragraph, one diaper by one diaper. I mean, whatever yes. it is, God is there in the moment. And then he does exceedingly more than we asked and imagined. And I know that we when you started, you didn't imagine that soon you would have like millions of downloads and all these people, just the community that's been built. And um, I, I just love how we take these little steps of faith and God just shows up big time. And I don't even remember how I stumbled on your podcast, but I guarantee that not a podcast goes by that I don't buy a book and I end up sharing with my kids and we love it. In fact, my daughter, we were on the way to an appointment and she was reading through the back because she wanted to see what books you recommended. She's 15 for teenagers and like half of the books we had already had. And I, she goes, we have these. And I'm like, I know because I first heard about them on the podcast. And so a lot of the same ones that you had shared are in the books. And it's so funny, like, wow, our whole life is shaped. You know, here we are in Arkansas and we have kids that are around the table or around the living room while I'm reading because, you know, you recommended it because you're on a podcast or whatever. And I just love how God has this ripple effect that goes out when we're just faithful and when we take these steps of faith um, to follow him. Yeah, those steps, they feel, I mean, I really feel like it's one little small yes after another. And in a lot of ways, it's good that we don't know it's coming because I think if I had known when I started the podcast, okay, a couple years down the road, you're going to have three and a half million downloads on this thing. I think I would have been frozen by mm. the fear of getting it right. But it's just taking that next yes, that next, okay, this next step, I'll say yes to this one. And then the next step is just like you said, bird by bird, like Anne Lamott says, or I just read um, 
I just Jonathan Rogers is one of my favorite uh, novelists for kids. He wrote the Wilder King trilogy. He writes some of these writing emails that he sends out every Tuesday called The Habit. And in last week's, he talked about training for a half marathon, and he's not naturally gifted, nor does he really love running. <laughs> so not a naturally gifted runner, nor does he love running, but he really wanted to run this half marathon. And the and if someone asked him, can you run 13 miles, he'd say, well, no, for sure, no. <laughs> but if they said, can you run to the next telephone pole and the next telephone pole and the next every time you just have to say yes to that next small Step. Exactly. That's what gets you there. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Well, I am really enjoying the book and I had my little highlighter, so I've all these little parts highlighted. But one of the things that I talk about, um, you know, just the relationships that parents build with their kids when they're reading is just such a bonding. I mean, you always have those stories that you share together, but you also talk about true friendship with one another siblings is another thing that um, you've seen. So just tell me a little bit about how you've seen that with your, your kids and then what um, that does reading aloud as a family. Well, one of the things that really surprised me after I read The Wonderful Wizard of Oz for the first time with my three older kids, and they at the time were a lot younger. They were, I think, 10, 8, and 6 or something around there. Um, we were sitting around the dinner table. I was reading this book, and we got to the part where the Tin Man and the Scarecrow are talking about what's more important, a heart or a brain. And I stopped reading for a second, and I looked up at my girls, and I said, so what do you think is more important? And my older daughter, uh, who's like firstborn, totally go-getter, right? She instantly says brains. Like, there's no question. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> and her sister says, wait, wait, wait. Love is more important because what love is what God asked, you know, has commanded us to do. And Audrey says, well, how do you know who to love and how to love? You don't brains. We had this whole conversation about how one can't override the other, how we need to nurture our intellect and our, our empathy and our ability to love others. And we keep reading and we get to the part where the, the um, lion is cowardly and needs courage. And we talk about, you actually need to nurture your intellect, your ability to love and face your fears and develop courage to face your fears. And I remember thinking that day, there is no way we would have just had this casual conversation mm. at dinner table, at the dinner table with my young kids, you know, if I hadn't had the gateway opportunity through a book. So I feel like the books have oftentimes lended us toward um, deeper, more meaningful conversations that wouldn't have happened without them. Um, just from the play standpoint, my kids have a lot of times started reenacting the books we were reading aloud. You know, if we read The Little House on the Prairie and then the dining room tables get turned over and yeah. they turn into a carriage and, they, you know, a, a wagon, um, a covered wagon, and they start reenacting that. Or we go on a family hike and they start acting out the Anansi and the Moss Covered Rock fable we read yesterday from a picture book. That has, it gives the kids, I think, a shared experience and a shared vocabulary. Um, one of the things I love about reading is that even if we're all at odds with each other, as soon as we start reading, we're all in alignment again. Because when you're reading a book, you're you're rooting for the same characters, right? You're scared at the same moments. You're excited. You're sad. You're experiencing um, the hero's journey from the same side of the fence. And so it sort of puts you back in, reminds you that the people you're reading with, you're all on the same team. So even if, especially with your teens, your older kids, you as a parent are starting to struggle with some of that, you know, butting up against each other or with your younger kids or they are against each other, you sit down and you just start reading something simple and it sort of puts us all back in the same side of the fence again, which is, it's a really simple way to sort of restore harmony, which can be tricky in family life, right? Because we're always up in each other's business and there's a lot of, 
yes. a lot of disruption to the harmony. <laughs> yeah, and that's helped my homeschool so much because, you know, we adopted kids at various times and various ages. And at first I'm like, how in the world am I going to do this? I can't do like five grade levels at the same time. And I'm just, yeah. you know, let's read a book. And sometimes I'll read a book that's for the sixth grade level and sometimes for the younger level. And everyone just is so enthralled and we're all together. And I think it really has bonded us. I know I talked about it on your podcast, bonded us together as a family, just reading out loud. And it's so fun now that I have older kids. So my oldest is 28. And then, um, so he's, uh, Corey's 28, Leslie's 25 and Nathan just turned 24. And, you know, she's a missionary because we would be sitting around reading homeschool books, biographies about missionaries. And she's like, I want to be a missionary. I mean, it's just amazing to see like years later how it's impacted them. And um, my 24 year old published his first book last year. Um, and so, I mean, he's a total writer, but it came from all those times us sitting around <laughs> reading books. And it's so cool. You know, he'll be talking about plots and with my older son and they'll sit, you know, they're, they're both don't live at home, but they'll be visiting and we'll sit around the table and pretty soon an hour has passed and everyone's sitting around talking about plot and characters and remember in this story, this <laughs> happened it. and that can kind of happen in your story too. And it's just so amazing. Like I, that, this is before I even understood the power of reading out loud and I've, you've brought so many wonderful guests that have brought that out, but it's just cool to see even as adults that this has really impacted our family in amazing ways. Well, what I love about what you just said too, is that I feel like for all of the best investments in my parenting, I don't get to see the fruit right away. You know, it's one of those things you sort of have to take it on faith. It's like disciplining our kids or like teaching them the Bible or whatever we're teaching them that will make the longest impact. It's not like we read the Chronicles of Narnia. You know, we're sitting there reading the line, the witch in the wardrobe, and all of a sudden our kids hop up and they're suddenly more virtuous or kind or right. something. But it's like planting these seeds and they take a while, but then what I think you're talking about now is like getting to see what comes from that, from all that planting. And at the time, I feel like so often at the time that we're in the planting season, we're not even sure. We feel a lot of fear or anxiety that what we're doing actually matters because it feels like it takes energy and time. And we know this is really important work we're doing in our kids' lives, whether that's, you know, teaching them, training them, raising them, all the different parts of parenting. Um, and we don't get to see that fruit for a long time. So we have to, it's kind of an act of faith. Reading aloud is kind of an act of faith. Absolutely. And I know that there's some myths that kind of go with that too. And you talk about in chapter seven, debunking five myths. So do you want to talk about just maybe a couple of those myths and maybe, um, especially like number two, it only counts as allow, reading out loud if you do it yourself. Like, cause that was one thing I thought like, oh, that, it has to be me reading these books. But talk about a little bit about that and maybe, um, some, another myth that you discovered. Yeah, what I what I think is so funny, and I notice it myself a lot, is that if something is enjoyable or easy, I start to wonder if it really matters, you know, if it really counts. Mm. It almost like it has to be difficult. So if we turn on an audiobook in the car and I'm enjoying it as much as my kids are, or I kind of got off the hook from having to do the reading, I have this tendency to think it's cheating, but it's not. Um, there's some really interesting research that shows that inside of our brains, what happens when we either read the words from a page ourselves or we listen to it being read to us, the same thing is the same synapses are basically being fired in our brain. The same thing is happening. And so there's not really a lot of tremendous benefit over our kids reading a book themselves or listening to it being read aloud. Now, taking that a step further, whether that being read aloud, that read aloud is being done by the parent or is being done by a skilled narrator as an audiobook in the car or while someone's washing dishes or weeding the garden or whatever, um, 
doesn't really matter because what you're, you want with a read aloud, um, there's two really important things that are happening. I mean, there's more than that, but two primary. We'll just talk about two primary things that are happening. One is that your kids are getting these um, grammatically correct and sophisticated language patterns in through their ears, mm. which is where the academic benefits come from. And the second is that you're sharing the story experience. So that's where that thing where it bonds us together and puts us on the same side of the fence, like I was talking about earlier. So those both happen if you're on a road trip and you're listening to an audiobook in the car or if you're on the way to basketball practice or church or you're washing dishes and you turn on an audiobook or in the morning. I, a lot of times I like to use audiobooks when my kids are naturally sort of tempted to bicker. So like mm. at breakfast, if you have a house full of kids that are not naturally morning people <laughs> like I do, um, mornings can be a really good time to turn on an audio book because it kind of gives everybody a chance to align before <laughs> before yeah. the day starts, you know. So, um, so it doesn't just count if you do the reading yourself. That's one of the myths that we sort of fall into is thinking that audio books are cheating and they're not. And they're, they make, they make it so much easier to get a lot of reading aloud in and to share stories. Um, another one of the myths that I find myself slipping into is feeling like I have to do a lot of reading aloud for it to count. Mm. Um, and I kind of do this with a lot of different things in parenting, I think, is that I feel like I have to do something every day or a lot of the time for it to count. But when I did the math on this, I was a little surprised. So, so if you were to read aloud about 10 minutes every other day or about 30 to 35 minutes a week, that ends up being 30 hours over the course of a year, which is a tremendous amount mm. of reading aloud. And if we think about reading aloud 35 minutes over the course of a week or about 10-ish minutes every other day or so, that is not as big of a commitment as we might be making it out to be in our head. As If we're thinking, well, now i got to read aloud to my kids for half an hour every day. And no, I mean, probably not, right? <laughs> we have a lot on our plate. And if we haven't been reading aloud much, it's going to be a new um, habit to try to instill. It's going to be hard to fit it in. We're going to be dealing with um, pushback from teens or kids or just crazy schedules or our own fatigue at the end of the day or whatever. So kind of realizing that we don't have to do a ton of it for it to make a difference. Even a half an hour a week can make a tremendous impact on the lives of our kids over the long haul. It goes back to planting seeds and just realizing that you don't plant the seed and it sprouts tomorrow, but we, we just plant it, we water it every few days and see yeah. what happens over the long term. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned teens because um, I read a lot at homeschool and my oldest, she's graduating this year. In fact, like two weeks she's graduating. But, um, you know, we read aloud during our homeschool and we always do devotions together and then I would do a missionary story. And sometimes I would notice, and she would stay around for those before she went off and did her independent work. Sometimes I noticed like we're two or three more books in and she's sitting there listening. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to shoo her away. You know, I know she has yeah. all this other work that she needs to be doing but obviously she's interested because she's still here hanging around listening to the story so that's another thing I think people think like only little kids want to be read aloud to um, talk to us about that yeah it's so funny because well first of all our natural inclination is to think that if a child can read to themselves it's better than them being read to but like I mentioned earlier uh, the research shows that's not actually the case at all so we could read aloud to our kids um, quite a bit even in their older teen years, and they would still be getting a ton of benefits, and they'd still be understanding and comprehending the um, whatever it is they're reading uh, just as well or maybe better than they would be if they were reading it on their own. However, um, one of the things I've noticed with my teens is they're at that natural age where they're kind of starting to pull away a little mm -hmm. bit, and that's good. That's natural. That's the way God made them to be preparing them for adulthood. Uh, but reading aloud gives us an 
excuse to connect because it can be really easy with teens who have busy schedules um, and a lot of homework, a lot of schoolwork. Maybe they're getting a job and they're in sports or that we're just apart more often than we were before. So reading aloud ends up giving us an opportunity, an easy opportunity to connect with them. I love when my I'm reading to my younger kids. It could be picture books even. <laughs> I start reading and, you know, with three little kids around me. And then by the time I'm done, I look up and all my teenagers are like <laughs> hanging over my shoulders. You know, they want to remember, oh, I loved that book or what is this? Um, it cracks me up too that uh, my twins who are four and a half, they love the Frog and Toad books by Arnold Lavelle. And so um, <laughs> I will either read them to them or turn on the audiobook sometimes at bedtime, and my 12-year-old son will put himself to bed earlier sometimes just so that he can listen <laughs> to them, which tracks me up because, I mean, this, these are the books that I read to him when he was four and five. But, you know, a really good story. It appeals to our kids no matter how, what age they are, just like how an adult reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is often enjoying it just as much as their kids are. You know, our teens are the same way. Absolutely. And I think also another thing, I think it was on one of your podcasts, I don't know, or maybe I heard you on an interview somewhere, but about also we could touch on uh, subjects with the teens that maybe we would be hard to communicate in other ways. And that that was yeah. our way with um, adopting the girls. We read Jenny B. Jones, um, her in-between books. And it was all about a girl who was in foster care and she was worried about her biological family. And then she was you know, had this wall up between her family that was fostering her. And it just brought up so many great conversations as I'm reading this novel aloud. Um, so I think that's a wonderful thing about teens too. It's like, we could read a book and we'll cover these subjects that maybe it'll be hard to sit, you know, face to face and like, so let me talk to you about drugs or let me talk to you about, you know, exactly. whatever issue. Yeah. Well, it, it lends like a human standpoint or a human, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a human component to it as well. Right. So instead of just talking about drugs, for example, as in, you know, other thing, you're actually putting it in the context of a story of a person that you end up liking and, and, and real and seeing them as, fully humans and made in the image of God. One of the things I've really enjoyed about reading books with my older kids and teens is that when we read a story and maybe the character in the story is homeless, it lends a completely different human element than it would be just to talk about homelessness mm. as an idea. And then it helps us when we're walking downtown and we see someone sitting on the street corner, it reminds my kids, but it reminds me as well that that person is made in the image of God and they had their own story and their own desires and fears. And I, I hope that it helps, um, my kids do that with all the people they meet in their lives. But, you know, there's um, there was some really interesting research done. I can't remember who did the research now off the top of my head. But basically, that kids and teens who read a lot of books or who are read to a lot as children, they end up growing up into adults who are more compassionate and empathetic. Uh, yeah. And that makes so much sense, right? Because we're putting on someone else's shoes and walking a mile in those shoes. And especially with our teens and we're having to talk about really hard issues that we don't really necessarily want to bring up or that feel uncomfortable, reading a story can be a way to help talk about the issue and to develop that empathy and compassion in our kids at the same time, which is, I think, important to all of us. Yeah, and I, I love so much of the stuff we talked about is in your book. You just talk about all the benefits and debunking those myths and, um, you know, talking about conversations that happen around the books. But also the second half of your book, which is the Read Aloud family, you have book lists. Um, and I would listen to you um, on Mackenzie Monroe's Cultivating the Lovely podcast as you were talking about, I think she asked you about reading um, the books and you said you read every book that you recommended. I'm like, oh my goodness, that is so awesome. So you know, just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that was, that ended up being such a bigger project than I anticipated um, because choosing books 
that are really good read-alouds is a little different than just choosing books that are really great to read, especially mm. when you're talking about teens. I mean, I was even realizing as I was reading a lot of YA and adult fiction and nonfiction in preparation for that book list, um, that there are books that I'm comfortable handing to my 16-year-old and talking with her about, and a different <laughs> there's a difference between that and me wanting to read the book aloud to her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it be a little um, of a different experience. So, but what I wanted to do is make make every book that we recommend that I recommended in the read aloud family a book that would be very very likely to give families a positive experience with their kids, a connection with their kids. And so I couldn't do that without reading them all, <laughs> right? Yes. So we ended up I ended up including um, almost 400 books in the Read Love family. And um, toward the end of writing the book, I was reading like a maniac. I mean, hours and hours and hours a day. I was just reading because I would realize I'd get halfway into a book and realize this isn't going to work for one reason or another. I mean, even a book that might be otherwise completely appropriate for an older teenager but has a lot of bad language in it mm. is probably going to be an uncomfortable read a lot experience for most Christian parents. And right. so... Things like that. I would realize, oh, this isn't going to work. And so I'd have to start back from the drawing board. And trying to find a, um, for each age range, for each different chapter based on age, I was trying to find books by uh, about diverse topics written by diverse authors that would span, you know, fiction, nonfiction, different times in history that would touch on different relevant points that we might be wanting to talk talk about in the world with our teenagers um, versus our eight-year-olds. So it ended up being... Um, a big project, but it was so, it was really, I don't know, it was really satisfying and enjoyable, of course, to read, to have to, I mean, who who would hate to read for their job, right? But yeah. but um, it ended up being um, a little more difficult than it Well, work is work. That, like, yeah, yeah. It's still yeah, work. Yeah. Oh, and one another thing that I, when I first opened the book, I, you have a, um, Tommy DePaula wrote an endorsement. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I just remember oh. just loving everything um nana upstairs nana downstairs no nana downstairs nana upstairs is like one of my all-time favorite uh storybooks you know he's told me that was his very favorite book he's ever made really okay or the other way I, I love yeah. it and i cry every time i read the book I, I don't even can't tell you how many dozens and dozens of times i read it at least i mean at least once a month for you know my oldest is 28 now <laughs> and i yeah. cry yeah. every single time and so i just love how um just the work you're doing, like authors and, you know, educators, like everyone saying, yes, this is something that we can stand behind. So it just gets me excited and I know it gets others excited. So I just want to encourage people to go and listen to your podcast. Um, but as we're closing, what do you want to share? Maybe someone saying like, I have never read aloud. What would be like one good book? And this is going to be hard, but one good book that you would encourage them maybe to start with. Um, and it's a little tricky just because it depends on how old their kids are. Yep. I would say, first of all, my encouragement would be not to feel like you have to make it a big project, but mm -hmm. just to realize that even if you spend five or 10 minutes today reading any book you have on yourself with your kids, that's, that's um, going to be five or 10 minutes better spent than if you don't, right? And it, when you lay your head down on your pillow tonight, you're going to go, that I'm not going to regret that right. of spending a few minutes reading with my kids. Um, I would say that one of the authors that I recommend almost constantly and I think works for a really wide range of ages is E.B. White, which is he, of course, mm -hmm. wrote Charlotte's Web, Stuart Little. 
my favorite is actually the trumpet of the swan. And they're written, I mean, if you if you go into a bookstore or library, they're going to say they're for 8 to 12-year-olds. But I can turn on any of those audiobooks or start reading them, and my 16-year-old will sit next to me happily for hours to listen, and my 4-year-olds will also be really intrigued. So I think the work of E.B. White is some, some of the books that you could read with almost any age child um, and just be delightfully surprised. And if you've never read Charlotte's Web and you've just watched the movie, uh, you're missing out exactly. on probably one of the best books ever written. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I totally agree. And when I first started homeschooling our newly adopted, they were littles, like they were like four and six at the time. So this was like their thing. That's what I picked up with Charlotte's Web. And these are kids that didn't sit still, but they did. They sat still because <laughs> they wanted to know what was going to happen. So um, I think that's a great choice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. Where can people find out more about you and the Read Aloud family? Yeah, so uh, readaloudrevival.com is my home on the Internet. You can get um, free book lists and free resources and get all the podcasts there at readaloudrevival.com. And the Read Aloud family book is available anywhere books are sold, or you can find out um, how to get it online at the readaloudfamily.com. All right. Well, thank you so much. And um, I hope spring is up there where you are in the Northwest. Yes, it just got here. I'm very happy about it. <laughs> oh, good. Well, and um, enjoy reading to your kids. I know I always do. So um, what book are you reading now? I'll just throw in that last question. Yeah, you know, so we read, have you heard of the book Amon's Adventure? I haven't. No, I haven't. Okay. So it's actually a book that you read usually during Lent, like leading up to Easter, and it's a fictional, a historical fiction tale of a boy who lived in Nazareth at the time um, of Christ's crucifixion. It's really good. It's kind of intense, so I usually tell people not to read it with kids under eight unless they're really sure they're kids. Yeah. And it's kind of intense, right? But um, I'm reading it with my older kids, and I we had every intention of finishing it by Easter, but it is now, um, as we're recording this, the end of April, and we haven't finished it yet, so there you have it. Uh, but we just were listening in on a road trip. We were listening to Homer Price by Robert McCloskey. Oh, Carr, yeah. Which is a really good example of a of a book written for a younger audience that older kids can still really enjoy. Because my husband was laughing out loud while we were yes. it. So it's pretty delightful. That's yeah. so, that one was so funny because I would have to stop and explain what the different things were. I, don't, I can't remember some oh, of yeah. the, the the I don't know, pay phones. I don't know. Some of the things in there, the kids are like, what's yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's set in, oh, gosh, I don't even know. 50s, maybe, maybe 50. I'm, that's what I'm thinking, like the 50s. Yeah. 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 So there's definitely some context. Yeah. So <laughs> far. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time we were, this isn't totally related, but we were listening to, we were playing one of those audio bingo games. I don't know if you've seen those, but it's where like they'll be like a tiger roaring and your kids, if they have a tiger on their bingo card or, you know, a oh, phone cute. ring or fax machine or whatever. So the first time my kids heard, they were probably five and three or something. And, they heard the phone ring on the audio bingo thing, and they both looked at me like they had no idea what that was because they've always used this cell phone. I'm like, oh, my gosh, my kids don't know what a, cell, what a regular phone sounds like. This is insane. I love <laughs> so, that. You know. So it truly does open up new worlds, all this, the reading. And the... All the time. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you, Sarah. It's just been such a delight. And, uh, again, you can check out Read Aloud Revival. Have a great day, Sarah. Thank you, you too. Well, Fred, what did you think of that? Do you love Sarah? I just, I mean, if we live close, I just want to hang out with her all the time. I just love her sharing her heart and just sharing what God has done 
And I love hearing about what she's reading and um, what books that she recommends. So you have to check out her podcast, which is just Read Aloud Revival. Also, I know um, you can sign up for her newsletter list. I sign up and she always sends out fun reading lists for holidays, for the summer. Um, She just provides so many resources for parents. But I pray also that by the end of this, you will just be encouraged to pick up a book and to read it with your kids or your grandkids. Um, Just find a way to connect through books. It's so powerful when each of us can share a story with someone that we cared about, even a friend, Um, you know, start a book club or find a way to just connect with people through the pages of a book. I know it is one of my absolutely favorite things. So um, think about today how you can impart books into your life. Also friend, today's walk it out verse is Proverbs 22 6. Start children off on the way they should go and even when they were they are old, they will not turn from it. Again, that is Proverbs 22, 6. And I just love that verse because like Sarah was talking about, so much of what we do now as their children are going to impact their future. And we, of course, we want our kids to be great readers. We want them to fall in love with books. But even more, the lessons, the morals, the truth that they can discover from books, and especially from the Word of God, will make such a difference in their lives. So today, Here's my prayer for all of us. Lord, there are so many things that keeps us busy. There's so many things that distract us. There's so many things that pull us apart as a family. And I just pray that you will show us how to come together. Show us how to have those bonding moments and show us how to use your word and great books just to build so much character, so much empathy, so much truth into our children's minds and their hearts. Lord, I pray that we won't let the things of the world and the things that seem so important to distract us from really focusing on our children and giving them the tools that they need for their future. I pray, Lord, that you will help each of us be diligent also about just following what you call us to do. I know Sarah just took those small steps of faith and you have done more than she ever imagined. And I just pray with each of us, if there's something that you want from us, something that you want us to do, that you will just nudge us and that we'd be willing to take those steps of faith because we know in the end, Lord, that you will receive the glory um, as lives are impacted. So friends, um, I just just pray for you. I pray that for you. I pray that for myself and my own family. I know I am not perfect. And that's why I love um, listening to Read Aloud Revival because it just reminds me again to just pull together as a family, pick up a good book, and just enjoy that time. Um, also, I just want to encourage you to consider getting Walk It Out. Um, I wrote this book really as an encouragement, just like Sarah was talking about. When you feel those little nudges, how to take those steps of faith, how to follow God, and how to see God showing up in your own life. As always, you can find out more information about me on my website, which is just trishagoyer.com. And you can find me on any social media sites like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, under Trisha Goyer. Um, And then also, you will be hearing in the next uh, couple of weeks, in addition to my Walk It Out podcast, we're going to have a special segment dealing with angry kids. 
Now, my new book, um, which is also a step of faith, is called Calming Angry Kids, and it releases October 1st. And so in addition to my Walk It Out podcast, you're going to hear some podcasts dealing specifically with anger. How do we deal with kids? How do we get them to calm down? Um, These are something often that we don't know how to deal with as parents. No one sat down and talked to us before we had kids about, okay, if you have an angry child, this is how you cope with the situation. So we're going to be talking about all those things. So if you see in the middle of the week, another episode pop up, um, and you may wonder what it's about. That's what it's going to be about. It's going to be about my next book, which is Calming Angry Kids. And I pray that that will encourage you just as much as these Walk It Out podcasts will. Finally, friends, I'd really appreciate it if you tell your friends about this podcast and encourage them to listen. As you know, this podcast is sponsored by my book, Walk It Out, published by David C. Cook. If you haven't had a chance to read Walk It Out again, don't delay. Go and check it out. It may be at your library. You can get the e-version. You can get it online or at your local bookstore. You could also go in and ask them to order it. Um, But David C. Cook is a wonderful publisher that is spreading God's word in over 100 countries. So by purchasing Walk It Out, you're also just spreading God's word all over the world too. So thank you, friends, for tuning in. And I pray that your week will be blessed. Today's podcast was edited and produced by Author Media. Opening and closing music is from the song Wide Open Space by Life Worship, used with permission from Integrity Music.